Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We don't know precisely how things will play out, but here's what the world can expect to see unfold. First, Russia plans to manufacture a pretext for its attack. Second, in response to this manufactured provocation, the highest levels of the Russian government may theatrically convene emergency meetings to address the so-called crisis. Next, the attack is planned to begin. After that, Russian tanks and soldiers will advance on key targets that have already been identified and mapped out in detailed plans. Interesting. So that's Secretary of State Anthony Blinken laying it out in a Security Council meeting there at the U.N., what do you think of our, 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 our angle the Biden administration is taking to lay out before it happens to the world what we think is going to happen? Do you think that works in terms of like taking all the, taking all the fun out of it for Russia, taking all the, uh, the theatrics out of it? Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. What it will ultimately yield, I don't know, but to recite the script before they recite it with a straight face, I think that that yeah. big clowns them in a glorious way. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Um, he also went on to say, if you are actually de-escalating, like you claimed the other day and our moronic media went with the story, um, he said, state it plainly to the world and then demonstrate it by sending your troops, your tanks, your planes back to their barracks and hangars. He knows they're not going to do that, but... Sure. Just making sure everybody understands they're not de-escalating. They are actually escalating. In the last 48 hours, they added troops and a a variety of, like, super heavy-duty weapons that they hadn't put in there before. And we're now saying the number is 150,000 Russian troops. So he was clearly buying time, which he gets to do as a bad guy. You know, um, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're a bad guy and you're trying to wage war on an innocent country, you're supposed to lie to us. That's your job. I uh, need to slip in very quickly. I appreciate the always reliable Matt Taibbi with this headline or his uh, latest post. Another all-time media face plant. After the Biden administration and the press wrongly predicted a Russian invasion of Ukraine on February 16th, they kept compounding the error in spectacular fashion. Love Interesting. it. Yep. So, um... Uh, I, I hope our little, uh angle of letting the world know what's going to happen before it happens makes Putin think twice. I don't know why it would, though, if that's what he wants to do. You know, that's an interesting question. I We have often asked, what the hell is the point of the dictator announcing the election percentage? You know, the I got 82% of the vote in a fair election. Who's that for? I mean, it's a joke, but they always do it. And Putin is going to say, well, there was a, an attack on our forces out of Ukraine, blah, blah, blah. Everybody knows it's fake. But for some reason, they do it. So if you accept that, and you have to because it's true, then to call them out and make it clear how fake it is in advance and have them read the same script that you just said they're about to, I don't know what good it will do, but it feels like it does. It, it's the flip side of the uh, of the coin of why they claim these things. Play that clip for me again, because uh, Secretary of State Blinken lays out pretty well what he thinks Russia is going to do, and they might be doing it today. We don't know precisely how things will play out, 
But here's what the world can expect to see unfold. First, Russia plans to manufacture a pretext for its attack. Second, in response to this manufactured provocation, the highest levels of the Russian government may theatrically convene emergency meetings to address the so-called crisis. Next, the attack is planned to begin. After that, Russian tanks and soldiers will advance on key targets that have already been identified and mapped out in detailed plans. So that may have started yesterday. Russia announced that they found mass graves Please. of Russians killed by Ukrainian forces. That didn't seem to get a lot of traction, but maybe it was on the news all day long in Russia yesterday for the Russian right. population. Right. Yeah, you've always got to remember there are two audiences. Yeah. Interesting. This is the first time the modern world has tried all the modern stuff that's out there. Uh, instant news cycle, Twitter, um, cyber attacks, all this different stuff. So how it goes down, who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch and probably horrifying. Yeah, I am i don't want to overstretch this uh, analogy or whatever, but Russia invaded Finland in 30... 30- Eight. That, there's a new book out about World War II. I've mentioned it a couple of times where he's like recasting the whole World War II from more of a Russia-centric side, saying Russia won World War II. They not only were like the key player who lost the most people and played the biggest role in the military adventure, which they clearly did. I mean, the numbers are clear on that. But they're the ones that benefited the most from World War II. And they really started it a couple of years before Hitler did when they invaded Finland with a very, very bloody and long war. And uh, so this could be the first round. Russia invading Ukraine, and it plays out however it's going to play out, and people are going to die, and Russia probably is going to end up with part of the country, but not, you know, whatever. But it lays the groundwork for bigger disturbances that are coming in the next couple of years as the world order continues to crumble. Hmm. Centered around China. But who knows? You never know. Hmm. World War Three. Good, to, good to see you back to pitching World War Three scenarios. That's kind of your 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 strength. Is it inevitable or not? Which part? Just World, World War Three. Yes, it's inevitable. So okay. when it happens, is just it's just a question of when. <laughs> you don't agree? It's inevitable. Uh, are we looking at like a thousand year uh, window or what? Can you give me a window at least? Be reasonable. Okay, hundred years. I don't years. know. I don't know. <laughs> 20. Uh, I'm saying no. no. No in 20? No, no. A nuclear-armed Earth will not engage in another world war. Hope you're right. Iran's I gonna hope have I the, am too, Iran's, and I have very little confidence that I am. Iran's going to have the bomb here in a couple of weeks. I think that makes world war more likely, not less. Or at least they're going to have the uh, the materials for the bomb. Anyway, why would anybody listen to this radio show? That's you know, what I wonder. <laughs> Jack, as, as, my wife, as my wife can tell you, you can have all the materials to do all sorts of jobs, but Joe doesn't necessarily do them. <laughs> I got the, right, uh, got the right tools. I got the lumber. I got the paint. Got everything I need here to do all sure. kinds of things. I'm thinking uh, next Saturday, huh? I'm going to dive right into that. It was too cold last night and too hot tonight. So, <laughs> Exactly. Oh, hey, the emails continue to roll in on the uh, used car thing. 
Um, and I appreciate all the different angles people are taking, including... Uh, da, da, da. Oh, I'm sorry, I grabbed the, the wrong one. I love this from Dave. Guys, are used car salesmen licensed? I don't think they are, the way barbers, contractors, <laughs> and other important workers are. I might be wrong. Crazy stuff. So, right, to braid hair, Dave, you need hundreds of hours of training and a license. To sell automobiles, not so much. I wonder why that hasn't happened yet. You could actually make an argument for this one. I'm against it, because I think two grown adults... One of them, I should be able to sell a car to somebody else, and whether or not they think they got a good deal ripped off is completely between the grown adults. But you can make more of an argument for you got to have some sort of license to sell a used car. Yeah, the main reason. hair braiding. Well, and actually, as Tim Sandifer would point out, and, and does in his brilliant tomes, The Right to Earn a Living, and inspired by the Armstrong and Getty Show, The Permission Society, most of the reason, or at least a significant part of the reason, uh, there are two reasons for for, uh, for licenses. Number one, revenue. Uh, number two, you grant licenses so you can yank licenses. Ah, good one. Yeah, it's a yeah. way to control people. And then sometimes... Sometimes for good and sometimes for ill. As Tim has pointed out, and we've talked about a lot, the industry... Um, pushes the license, the big companies push the license, so little people can't get in. They make it too expensive and complicated for a little person to get a startup going, and then only the established uh, businesses can exist. Right, right, exactly. And by little person, I assume you don't mean like a, a dwarf, but indeed a, a, a small business person. Yes, it could be a regular size person. may or may not be of regular stature. They could be anywhere from three to seven feet. Right. Or, or eight feet. I think that's it's, the tallest. It's a point worth making. <laughs> yeah, right. But but that guy was going to sell me something very expensive. I mean, it's the second most expensive thing you ever purchase in your life for most people. Mm-hmm. Vehicle behind a, behind a house. And uh, it's just completely a ripoff. But and I'm a big buyer beware guy. It's up to me to be smart enough to figure that out. Amen. I don't need a nanny. I'm a grown-ass man, as they say. Yeah, But he's going to sell that to somebody. Some stupid person is going to pay... Jeez, twice as much as they should. Oof. Sadder but wiser. I guess so. Uh, Text line, as always, is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I've got a liberal liberal pundits behaving badly feature for you in just a second. But first, I want to mention this, just if you're a music fan. Uh, I, I heard somebody else say this. I haven't verified this for myself, but I heard somebody else that I like say, if you liked the Beatles documentary, Get Back, this is even better, which well, seems, seems like hyperbole to me, but it, it still might be good. There's a new audio book out. Paul Simon being interviewed by Malcolm Gladwell. Wow. They sat down for like five hours a day for weeks, going through his life and songs and songwriting, and Simon there with a guitar explaining things. And it's a it's about a five-hour-long audiobook, but it's supposed to be just fantastic. And I did a sample last night, and I'm definitely going to listen to it. So, My love and respect for Paul Simon as a songwriter verges on worship. And I don't say that about many human beings. Too short. I like uh, taller performers. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I like his acting. <laughs> some of his acting in some of those Woody Allen movies, freaking hilarious. Oh, 
dry, dry as a box of saltines. Oh, my God. I'm going to check that out. I'll tell you what I think of it. So here's my liberals behaving badly thing. Which first, Jimmy? So I, I'm I'm confused by the Durham report. I'm not. I haven't I haven't put in the time to figure out what I think of it. The coverage uh, of it is damned interesting. I could give you thirty seconds if you want it, but that's up to you. You think it's a big deal? Uh, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, I did. It, it's not like super criminal. I did read some of Jonathan Turley's um, law professor, George Washington University, some of his stuff on it yesterday. He thinks it's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. He he said it's potentially a big deal because don't know that it's a big deal yet, but it's certainly newsworthy. And the fact that so much of the news has failed to cover it at all is stunning. Sure, it's shockingly partisan. And Jimmy Kimmel said the other night, the Durham story is for those Fox News viewers and their soft oatmeal-like brains. Hmm. Um, Morning Joe on MSNBC today going on and on about, of course, Fox has to cover it and act like it's breaking news for their one client who's a a former president who lives down in Florida. But there's nothing there. So that's the uh, that's the opinion of one side of the media on this. Never mind that all those same sources I just talked about went on for years over nothing around the Russia thing, all kinds of anonymous reports that turned out to be tr- not to be true, and you know, breathless coverage of this is going to lead to indictments of Trump and his family, and you know, none of those things happen. Yeah, you could just about call the Washington Post and the New York Times and tell them anything, and it would be on the internet in an hour, in print the next morning. Yeah, so the 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 double standard on what's newsworthy and what not is just breathtaking. Anyway, on a different topic, speaking of the Washington Post, Tom Cotton tweeted this out. I'd actually seen this yesterday, but he tweeted this out today. This is a disgusting smear by the Washington Post against the great Justice Thomas. Justice Thomas has a distinguished 30-year record on the court. What did uh, they write in... uh, I won't get into what they were talking about, because that doesn't really matter. They're talking about... um, Different people on different cases and that sort of stuff. But then this then this paragraph happens. Just like this is just matter of fact news coverage in the Washington Post. They're talking about uh, Congressman Clyburn from uh, South Carolina, but you don't need to know what's going on there. If you know that a person has been vetted by Jim Clyburn, you know that that person won't go to the court and end up being a Clarence Thomas. That's a quote. And then the Washington Post says after that quote, referring to black justice referring to the black justice whose rulings often resemble the thinking of white conservatives. They just stated that as like, referring to the black justice who's a 65-year-old from Louisiana, just stating it as, you know, just part of the fact. Referring to the black justice whose rulings often resemble the thinking of white conservatives. Wow. Isn't that something? And the fact that there are white justices whose thinking often reflect the beliefs of black conservatives and the other way around and white progressives and black the to point out the race there in that way is absolutely clearly deliberately pointing out that he's not a real black guy. Right. Well, there yeah. are there are whites points of view and there are black points of view. Exactly. That's, that is that's horrific. The, that's the main problem with that. 
is yeah. you're stating that there are white ways to look at the law and black ways to look at the law. Yeah, that's now, how racist these in, people in are. In this case, there's you, you got this weird anomaly of a black person who's looking at the law in the way that white people do. But there are, the, the main thing you need to know is there's black view of the law. How could you possibly state that openly like that in the Washington Post? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what kids are being taught in schools, oh, as you know. But that is a no, widespread view. No such thing as critical race theory. That's a myth. What a joke. Um, yeah, that's, that's troubling. Wow. Again, the new I, racism folks. Enjoy it. It's just really troubling. God yeah. dang it. How I'll, I'll bet that writer's white. I don't actually know who wrote that. I'll bet that's from a white writer or it might oh, not be. Oh, speaking of which I left out the, what I was about to say, which was and remember black people, white people, Hispanic people, the white grad students will tell you what your opinions are. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and granted, Granted, there are now grad students of all races who are self, self-righteous enough to, to tell each uh, hue and ethnicity what you're supposed to think. It's become, you know, a fairly diverse crowd of nanny state loving little dictators. Well, sure. If, if white graduate students are willing to tell Hispanic people that the term is Latinx, even though they don't like it, mm-hmm. certainly willing to tell black people what your view of the law should be. So crackdown on uh, unruly airplane passengers, plus uh, San Diego is changing its policy somewhat on bums and junkies. Does it mean anything? A lot to squeeze in before the end of the show. Squeeze it in. Squeeze it. If you miss an hour, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Can I ask you for a favor? Yes, ma'am. I like to sing, like, Bollywood songs. Can you tell me if my voice is good? Is it good? Oh, nice. Thank you. Do you use voice changes? No, that's my voice. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had this much fun with a scammer in my life. Albert, thank you so much for making my day so much better. Yeah. (laughs) Do me a favor. Can you please stop scamming people? Because sometimes you gotta scam old people that don't have money, and that's really rude. Okay, okay. Okay, bye, Albert. Love you. Bye, Albert. I love you too. Bye. Oh, my God. See, that's kind of like what I was talking about with the guy who tried to sell me the crappy car. It's You're not going to change them. I mean, I mean, she went ahead, but you know, you, see, you heard how he was. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, You know, that's what I do. I scam old people, but uh, it's nice hearing you sing. You sounded kind of hot, and I was hoping maybe it'd go somewhere, but... That was surreal. It reminds me, uh, I got this, uh, I was talking, uh, texting with a buddy, and this has happened to me before. So he had a dispute with um, a bill over something, kind of like the giant ambulance bill I got recently. And uh, he said they called me with a number that I don't recognize on my phone, so I didn't answer it. Uh, they didn't leave a message. Then I got an email from them saying, case is closed due to no response. I've had that happen with a couple of different things recently either where we tried to call you. And so, uh, what do you mean, so what? <laughs> you, you didn't leave a message and so now we're done here? Um, yeah, wait a minute. There's nobody on earth who doesn't understand that people don't answer strange numbers. I, I've started recently with doctor's appointments, with insurance places, with uh, tax things, with all kinds of different things, Where because if you don't talk to them right then, you may never ever get a chance again. Yeah. But 90% of the time, you're talking to that guy there trying to scam you. 
somehow they got to figure this out. Don't they have a better way of doing it in Europe? There's like stricter penalties for this or something, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of penalties, I ought to pay this off because I promised it, but I realize there's something else we've got to do. Uh, but uh, police in San Diego are expected to resume enforcing laws against homeless encampments on public property this week. Now, they've gone to great pains in the halls of government to make sure uh, that you know this. The city continues to emphasize a compassionate approach, said Ashley Bailey, strategic communications officer for public safety and homelessness at the city of San Diego. Any title that's more than three words, your job should not exist. (laughs) That's a good standard. However, it will balance that with the need to address the health and safety issues that persist in encampments around the city. The enforcement will start about two weeks after city crews began cleaning the Sports Arena Boulevard site, where a two-day effort removed get this now, 10 tons of material. Whoa. Including soiled mattresses, rotten food, improperly contained fuels, and other items that could be hazardous. The San Diego Union Tribune showing the restraint to not say human excrement. But human excrement is always a big part of these stories. Soiled mattresses is a little gross. The city stopped. I guess you got to get your bum love on somehow. Oh, easy. 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 Gee, money. Michael, you have your finger on the the on-off button for his microphone. I suggest you use it. Anyway, where was I? Uh, City stopped enforcing laws about illegal lodging and encroachment in 2020 in response to the pandemic. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. Junkies are are doing drugs and ruining your cities. You're either going to put up with it or you're not. And we'll we'll talk more about that tomorrow, but I want to get to this. The the good folks at Project Veritas did their whole undercover Latin. interviewing thing. Latin for truth. <clears throat> Thank you for that. Yes, it is. Uh they did their undercover thing with Christopher Cole of the FDA talking about uh boosters, uh, co- uh um uh, covid boosters and that sort of thing. Um I've only heard a little bit of this. Let's start with 15, Michael. So you have to get an annual shot. I mean, it hasn't been formally announced yet. They don't want to like uh, rile everyone up. So, Is it going to be formally announced? Yeah, yeah, at some point. I mean, it's going to be, uh, uh, and some of it's been talked about publicly, but it has been talked about on like CNN or Fox or MSNBC or anything. Okay, expect yearly COVID jabs. You know, if that's good, if that's necessary, we can talk about it, me and my doctor. But clip 16 uh, goes on. There's almost a billion dollars a year going into FDA's budget from the people we um, regulate. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. Well, I suppose this is going to be controversial and people will claim this or that as they always do about Project Veritas or whatever like that. But if you think this isn't a factor, I think you're naive at the highest level. Somebody is going to decide whether or not we should or have to get a shot every year. Mm -hmm. And there will be billions of dollars on the line with that decision. Billions. I want to hear the way he phrased that again. Michael, play 16 one more time. There's almost a billion dollars a year going into FDA's budget from the people we um, regulate. If they can get every person required at an annual vaccine, that is a recurring return of um, uh, money going into their, their company. Wow. So 
What he is explaining is it's a win-win. These companies that we regulate, billions will flow into the FDA if it's an annual thing, and the companies themselves will make lots of money, too. Sure, that makes sense. Be lots of money changing hands, and then levels of bureaucracy to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, roll on, Michael. How about 17? Why do they need the third one? Well, the same reason um, you or I would need the third one, to, because the, the vaccine, um, it means mm-hmm. um, your ability to fight it, it means. So the three will bolster your, your system, and then there will be an annual, um, eventually an annual, just like the flu shot. For the toddlers? Well, for everyone. So uh, the, one of the problems with this, of course, is that the whole billions of dollars is true whether it's a good idea or not. Correct. Um, That's not proof of anything. No, it's not proof of anything. Um, I don't quite get the... I hear a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, we'll have to, it'll be like the flu and we'll have to get a shot every year. Why? 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 I, I don't get a flu shot. I've gotten one flu shot in my life. Um, well, I'm going to go out and get a booster every year for an incredibly mild disease that floats around? Well, see, that's the thing. It remains to be seen what the significance of this disease is going to be. It might be gone and forgotten other than the loss of life within a year. I mean, it might be a relic of history or it might be significant. And and that clip was odd in that, yeah, immunity does wane over time. Sure. And so that's why you get a booster. That's why you get a booster for anything. I'm not a COVID denier. My brother, I was texting with him last night. He got the COVID and was dang sick for one day. He said, I can't imagine how sick I'd have been if I hadn't been vaccinated. Yeah, I had one neighbor slash friend die of it recently and one almost die of it. So, yeah, I'm no denier. Uh, Play the one about toddlers, giving toddlers the shot, 18. We're looking at um, trying to prove um, I don't completely agree with their the process. They're looking at trying to inoculate um, um, kids under five years old, mm-hmm. between six months and five years old. What do you mean you don't agree with the process? Well, I mean they um, they don't have all the all the tests aren't there. I thought their cases weren't that high for six what, months to four year olds. They're not, but it, because it's um, related to COVID, it's under that approval process. It's really an emergency. For the toddlers? Well, they're all uh, improved under an emergency just because it, um, it's not as as impactful as some of the other approvals, emergency approvals, but they're all being approved under that uh, standard. Okay, that is interesting. There is no emergency for young kids. There's nothing approaching an emergency for young kids. But because it's all under the umbrella of emergency approval because it's covid there will be an emergency approval for getting the kids jabbed. If they mandate boosters every year, especially for kids, that's when I'm going to be beyond skeptical. I think you are going to see an, an enormous upswell of resistance. I mentioned earlier, the latest numbers are for kids 5 to 11, and that vaccine has been available for a long time. Uh Twenty, roughly twenty-five percent of kids are fully vaxxed. So seventy-five percent are not. It's been available for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Parents don't perceive a need for it. No, simple as that. No, they don't. And and because there isn't really one. And uh, at least in the state of California, and I know a few other states, it's currently the law that your kid has to get it before next year. I you wonder know, if I... that's going to hold up, or if there's going to be enough pushback to change that. I will grant you this, because fairness is my hallmark. 
if if granny and grandpa are are susceptible, they're old, maybe they're not terribly healthy, and your kid being vaccinated does decrease somewhat the time that they will be contagious if they get the vid, maybe just shaving off that that smallish percentage is important enough to you to get your kid the jab. I will grant you that. Is it small enough to mandate it? No. Is no. it? Yeah. No, absolutely not. I don't. I, I I think that question is so clearly an open shut case. I can't believe you know serious people would entertain it. But just uh, saw that. What's her name? The CDC lady, uh, Rochelle Walensky. Walensky. Yeah. She said she is now not at this moment ready to drop mask mandates for school. To recommend dropping mask mandates for school. Why is the federal government? advising anybody on this at all why in the world would hooper nebraska a town i happen to know of that is 300 people in the middle of nowhere be getting the same advice as la county why would that happen at all it makes zero sense and even if it kind of did make sense it's not the federal government's decision anyway and the kids are fine i hate to ever skip over that yeah this is strange. So strange. It's like I'm living through a science fiction movie. People have been taken over by pod people or something, and they no longer make any sense. I wanted to hit you with this Adam Carolla quote. It's interesting that Carolla and Kimmel were so tight back in the day. Because they mm-hmm. certainly have, you know, when you're younger, you don't spend much time talking about politics, and who knows what Carolla was at that point in his life anyway. But. Back when they co-hosted a show that featured busty women jumping on trampolines, the Juggy Girls, as I recall. Yeah. Adam Carolla described what is happening to the kids as crate training, so they become good, obedient adult Americans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> crate training our kids. It's <laughs> a good image. Yeah. Um, we'll finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I just came across this. This is a little heavier than we usually do in the last segment. It's pretty good. Charles C.W. Cook is one of the best pundits around with National Review. Uh, Too many middle initials. Writing about Kamala Harris. I could never have imagined that I would come to long and earnest for the return of the insipid, aimless, and irrelevant version of Kamala Harris. The one who believes that she's being profound when she suggests that. It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. <laughs> One of our it favorite. is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. The mm. clip that will live in infamy. Yet here we are, says, uh, says Charles. Yesterday, the vice president of the United States put out a statement in Farsi that read, The truth is there is segregation in America. Xenophobia exists in America. Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia all exist in America. Wow. She put that out in Farsi. Wow, a good, strong, America-hating screed in a foreign language. Yeah, as a reward. Thanks, Kamala, you creep. As a reward for her efforts, the Biden administration has decided to send Harris to represent the United States at a summit in Munich. She'll take part in a bunch of diplomatic talks. But it was one of those groveling, oh, yeah, we're horrible. We're really, really horrible. We're the, we might be the worst, 
weird sort of self-hating liberal thing that I've never understood. I've never understood what drives that. Yeah, you're right. But what's the point of like rolling around in that? And Well, and just like everywhere else, it, yeah. it is a virtue signal, period. So it's weird. a show of enlightenment, being better than those stupid, moronic, knuckle-dragging patriot types. Or those who love our country in spite of its flaws. Yeah. God, is she, she's a horrible person. I don't think she's got any thoughts, really. I don't think she has an ideology. No. Oh, no, no, no. No, she'll go whichever way the wind blows. It makes it exciting for the presidential election, though. That new poll where she's at 38% in California. If she's at 38% in California, the leaders in the Democratic Party have already written her off. They probably already had, but they've written her off. She's not even part of the conversation. No way. For who's going to be the nominee. So you got a wide open replacing Joe Biden, which is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, uh, like, McDonald's wants to trot out some new sandwich, they'll introduce it in a couple of markets and, and see what happens. Well, they introduced Kamala Harris, and everybody vomited. And so they're not going to take her national. She was on the ticket because she checked some of the ethnic uh, boxes there, and uh, everybody didn't want to, uh, everybody who didn't want Trump was going to vote for it. If they had run a dead guy and uh, and, and, and a muskrat... <laughs> They would have voted for the corpse and the muskrat. Well, the corpse is damn near a corpse, Joe Biden, and the muskrat is Kamala Harris. Well, the corpse hasn't said anything I don't agree with. (laughs) Yes. Um, Speaking of McDonald's, I was at one of the remodeled McDonald's the other day. I don't know if it was remodeled or they built it from the ground up brand new, but I was at one the other day on the back, uh, way back from the ski trip. The newer McDonald's are pretty nice. They're really trying to carve out a different look for themselves. They they want to be more like a Starbucks feel, clearly, that serves the food they've always served, which is delicious, by the way. I had a quarter pounder with cheese and fries, and it was freaking awesome. Terrible for you, but really, really good. But mm. uh, just so clean in there and high-tech and just a completely different. The uniforms, the, 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 the dispensers, just everything much classier. And that's, uh, let's see if it works for them. Yeah, it's an interesting tack to take. I never eat fast food. I would eat Chick-fil-A. special? Well, I am better than you. But I would eat Chick-fil-A, but the lines are too long. Yeah. Uh, So it keeps me from eating any. If you've wondered if McDonald's french fries are still delicious, they are. Mm. I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong again. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Yeah. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Let's begin with our technical director in the control room, Michelangelo. Michael, Michael, a final thought? Yeah, I have no idea why I know this date, but I do. It was February 17th, 2009, the day of the digital transition to the digital TV transition. No more (laughs) analog TV signals, just digital. Millions of people would lose TV forever. If you're one of those people, (laughs) welcome to radio. I think you'll like it. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Young Alex, our behind-the-scenes producer, has a final thought. Uh, Alex? Yeah, a friend of mine from uh, the local country club where I grew up is making his first PGA start this week down at La Riviera in Los Angeles. Uh, if you keep an eye on the scores, Aaron Beverly. Good luck, buddy. 
Aaron Beverly. I'll, I'll be rooting for him. Absolutely, because there's nothing more exciting than televised golf. Uh, Jack, do you have a final thought for us? Speaking of shady business deals, my 10-year-old's really into this idea of trying to flip Pokemon cards right now. So he spent a lot of time on eBay last night trying to find cards for like 90 cents or a dollar. Then he's going to try to sell them for more. And I said, well, why do you, how do you think you're going to sell them for more? And he said, there's a million suckers out there, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> You've taught him well. You've taught him well. So here's a question for you as I review several things we talked about today. Who should be empowered to ignore the law? Who gets to ignore the law in our system? Child, adult alike are answering, well, nobody, Joe, nobody. Yes, drug addicts are allowed to break the law as much as they want in the name of compassion. How the hell did we get here? Develop a drug habit. You get to skate on all kinds of things. Right. Might shorten your life, but... Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Drop us an email if there's something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com or grab the podcast. I understand we do this again tomorrow. See you then. God bless America. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, guys. Armstrong and Getty. We will champions. What the frig are you even talking about? Voters sent a clear message. Get to, look, there's so much more to say. I'm inclined to go on, but I've kept you too long. Let me close with this. I did it. It was me. What are you going to do to me? Huh? You're a loser. Uh, okay. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.